This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Hey, welcome in. It's going to be a great Friday edition of the show. Thanks for hanging with us. We got uh, a lot to get to, and man, looks like we're bringing back some hardware to the area. How about that, Lee? Two down, one to go. Yesterday, Mobile Christian and Gulf Shores each won the school's first state football title. Congratulations. We hope we hope to have both coaches joining us this morning, Ronnie Cottrell and Mark Hudspeth. They're scheduled. Now, whether they get up in time, that's another story. Uh, they had, I, I know uh, for Mark, anyway, it's late night. And he told me he was they were going to stop somewhere on the way back and they wouldn't get there till three in the morning. So hoping on that. Want to hear from the coaches. Terrific stuff. Sarah Land goes for the third local school that we cover. I say that we cover and hopefully uh, there'll be um, a championship there. But they got a tough test tonight with Clay Chalkville. But getting back to the two games yesterday and I know, Mark, you you watched some of it. I'm sure, Michael, you had some idea what was going on. That Mobile Christian game was incredible as far as explosive plays. If you look at the stat sheet, the team they were playing, Madison Academy, dominated possession by about 10 10 to 12 minutes, dominated yardage. And it wasn't like Mobile Christian sustained any drives. They were just explosive plays. They had eight touchdowns. Six of them were 33 yards or more. Every time I looked up, some guy, you know, the announcers would be saying, well, you know, Mobile Christian now, here comes Madison Academy. You blink, and a guy would be off on a 50-yard run or something. Yeah, it. uh, but, you know, it's interesting, and and we'll talk, hopefully if we get both coaches, we'll ask them. There were both, I thought in both games, two critical defensive stops for both teams. For Mobile Christian, it was with about eight minutes to go. They got a huge stop, and – and, and the same for Gulf Shores late in their game. But before we go any further, can we talk about the most impressive interception perhaps I have ever seen, like oh my ever God. In, on any level of football with uh, Ro- Ronnie Royal? I mean, that was crazy that a high school player could make a one-handed grab the way he did in a game of that magnitude. Do you think that could even excite Boo, Boo Cochran? Corgan, yes. Since he's going to um, NC State. You think Boo would even get excited he's over that? I mean, I know we've talked about him all year, but what he was able to do on that play alone is jaw-dropping. But his inability to get in, in and out of holes, and they had no answer for him. The The only thing to stop in Royal was lack of oxygen because dude was just just giving it to him all game long but that play and if you haven't seen it I'll throw it in uh I'll throw it in the uh, app so you all can see it because it got it was all over Twitter unbelievable play by high school and Bronner you've seen more high school games than I have in the last year does is there any play an individual play that comes close to what what, what he did on that on that catch no not like in terms of like a highlight real one-handed play no no, not even close. I mean, it was incredible. Ronnie was the MVP of the game, of course. He gained about 188 yards. He caught some passes, made the great interception. But here's the thing. 
Gulf Shores got out to a 21-0 lead before you could blink. They they scored in the first 17 seconds of the game when they were on defense yeah. and scored the touchdown, and it wound up being just 21-14. Now, Gulf Shores have been averaging close to 40 points a game. It's an amazing that Ramsey was able to get back in that game and have opportunities to tie the game and to hold Gulf Shores without a point after the first quarter. And after watching that first game with Mobile Christian, where they were racking up numbers all over the place, yard they almost got combined almost to 1,000 yards in that game. Yeah. There was very, very little defense in that game. But uh, again, you know, each school gets their first championship uh, tonight. Sarah Land will have the broadcast at 6.30. Oh, by the way, in the Mobile Christian game, uh, Gaston, the quarterback, who sat in with us during the year, yep. five touchdown passes. And not to get too deep into this, but if you remember we talked about this, that a quarterback at Mobile Christian, and I'm not saying he was definitely going to be the starter, but I think he was kind of penciled in at the depth chart to be the starter. He left and in the spring and transferred giving Gaston that opportunity and as the announcers pointed out yesterday which we already knew because we talked to him right now he's going to South Alabama to play baseball yeah maybe take a look at him for football maybe uh it was it was a great day uh Leroy gets the win uh we'll claim it that's that's kind of our our, our we, we don't talk a lot of Leroy but uh I, I would suggest that's our part of the state more than it's not so uh, you had mentioned yesterday when we were kind of advancing these stories about football and the area football in this area has certainly uh, made a statement this year with the quality, the number of quality teams that have moved on to the Super Seven. So Leroy's victory was incredible from this standpoint. Their coach left during yeah. the season. He was deployed, I think, overseas. So you had an interim coach take over. They went undefeated. And yes, I I will I will buy into that. Leroy's on the fringe. Uh, I know we don't give it enough uh, coverage, and we cover Mobile and Baldwin County uh, exclusively. Well, not exclusively, but extensively, I should say. And Leroy, I know, is kind of on the edge. So, yeah, we can claim them also today. We're going to claim them today. <laughs> All right, we're claiming rights today. So, Jeff, it's on you guys tonight. Uh, and, and, and a build-up to this game, they're both undefeated tonight. I'm really excited about watching this game tonight. Uh, speaking of games, uh, I, I know, Bronner, you're uh, – I won't say typically you're a betting man, but you, you watch the lines, right? Yeah, I, I so dabble, as a, I'm, I I'm curious as a as a as a Patriots fan, you got to be excited they went over. As a man who potentially dabbles a little bit in 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 that in the wagering, if you're beating around the bush. No, I did not take the under okay, or the good. or the over. Frankly, crazy no. that's, stat. That's though, a sucker right? bet. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm never would never touch an NFL over under. Did oh, you see the stat? Eighty-two yeah, percent of betters took the under, yeah, which 30. got blown up at halftime. It was thirty, and which is very low for an NFL game. But here's the story: for the, the Steelers, losing their second home game to a team with two wins, jeopardizing their playoff. Bill Belichick gets his 300th, and I don't know if you saw this, but he's going to be the guest picker yeah. on game day. Should be a I short actually, segment. <laughs> no, I'm actually only one I'm game curious about watching that because I'd like to see how he reacts in a different scenario. Get him away from those press conferences where he bores you to death. And let's see how a lot of people think he's got a great sense of humor. reason he is is because game day – 
I think it's at the site of the Army-Navy game, and of course Belichick's career goes back to Navy. His dad was a longtime coach there, and he's had certainly a, an a affiliation, you know, with the school. I think I think he went there. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I, I, I'm not sure if he did or not, but Belichick's the guest picker, and I have to say I raised an eyebrow, but the deal is that I get, I think the game's at Foxborough, right, the Army-Navy game? Yes. Okay, so that's right in his backyard. He can just walk outside his office. But I, I'm telling you, I'm kind of curious about how he'll uh, respond uh, because everybody who knows him very well says, away from the media, he's got a great sense of humor, and he's he's very funny to be around. Well, we're going to find out. So, uh, yeah, it was actually uh, – I, I found myself going back and forth between the Gulf Shores game. I, I was popping in on the Patriots a little bit last night when I saw the score kind of change. I saw there were some points being scored. Well, if you watch that first half, Bailey Zappi. And he looked all pro. It's kind of, you know <laughs> – that last touchdown he threw, you know, uh, to to get to 21. I like, know. man, that was a dart. <laughs> it was unreal. That was crazy. Uh, we're supposed to be losing games, man. What are you doing, Now you're, you're upset that they're, lo- they're winning? I, I genuinely am. Because now what's going to happen is we're going to end up with the fifth pick. <laughs> Bailey Zappi is going to be starting games for new offensive tackle, probably, like, Joe Alt from Notre Dame or something. Ugh. Well, based on their recent drafts, they haven't been too spectacular in picking players, so yeah. I, I wouldn't get too excited. Well, yet. if we got one or two, it wasn't really much of a choice there. I mean, they could still lose out and I believe end up with number two. I think they own the you, I was reading a uh, pretty lengthy story yesterday about the demise of the Patriots, and, and most of it centered on the fact that their draft picks over the last few years have not turned out well. Yeah. Uh, and then I made the mistake of uh, buying into the hype and turning on the Lakers Pelicans for a little bit. And then my you eyes, to the afternoon show, huh? My eyes started. No, I don't listen to the afternoon show. Uh, I, I, I like to listen to sports shows, so I don't listen to the afternoon. My eyes were bleeding from the court. What is that? Never mind the fact that it was a complete and total block. Impressive by LeBron, by the way. But. What an eyesore those basketball courts Thank are. Thank you. I appreciate you pointing that out. I yeah. turned it off immediately. I couldn't try to watch I thought I was looking one at the minute. blue field at Boise. Yeah, it was just there was a lot going on there, if man. If you've watched any of these, in, you can tell now, I, I didn't know this in the beginning, but you can tell the in-season tournament games, they colored the floor. Yes. Even in the so-called lead-up to this. But nothing is, let's say, blurring as that blue floor. And whereas... If I was going to, if I was tempted to watch Indiana and the Lakers vie for the championship, I'm totally turned off by the floor. Now you'll of course be at the uh, South Alabama Spring Hill game, so you don't have to worry about that. You'll see a regular floor, but you know, old school. I'm used to the regular floor. Don't give me a blue a, fl- a blue floor. I'm sorry. I you're traditional. I'm too traditional. I can't handle something like that. Well, you like had the, you had the blue floor with the little red. Yeah. L- r- and then you got these guys with their their yellow jerseys on top of that with Looked LeBron. Like- By the way, LeBron was spectacular. Uh, uh, whether you like LeBron or, or not, he was unbelievable last night. But it there was just a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot going on there on that screen. He turns 39, I think, in a couple of – well, later this month. He turns 39. He's had a spectacular series, more than lived up to what he's done in the past. Every time he goes out there, he sets a record. I think he set another record, like 30 points, whatever, in less than 23 minutes or something like that. But this is a huge weekend for LeBron because after that, 
He will be at the Southern Cal Long Branch State game, Long Beach State game on Sunday. His son, Barani, according to their head coach, the Trojans head coach, is scheduled to play. Now, he'll be coming off the bench few minutes he's on restriction you remember he had the cardiac arrest back in july so lebron vying for that champion the in-season championship which you know quite frankly i don't know how much that means to him uh he's more about uh postseason championships but i think he's more interested in seeing his son play on sunday all right so it's 6 15 got a, a good good one uh lined up for you today as always uh we're gonna try to catch up with uh, ronnie cottrell the mobile christian uh state championship coach that's at 6 30 dan jennings will be along at hour number two talk a little baseball um we'll talk a little heisman at 7 30 danny cordy on the mobile bowl coming up at eight o'clock mark hudspeth scheduled to join us at 8 30 by the way so booger mcfarland has been like the biggest advocate for florida state he joined Greg McElroy on his podcast, I think it was yesterday, only to prove Alabama's point, or those that were in Alabama's corner, their point. I'll explain what he was doing and how he kind of contradicted himself when we come back right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. This is Jim Nagy, the Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. I mentioned coming uh, out of the break that Booger McFarland has been a biggest, the, one of the bigger advocates for Florida State. Well, this week he joined uh, Greg McElroy on his, his podcast, Always College Football. And he went and ranked. He took the four teams that are in and he ranked them. He's got Texas number one above and beyond. He thinks Alabama is number two. So regardless of where he's who he's got three and four, doesn't he just kind of prove our point? If the task is to get the four best teams in, and he's got Alabama ranked in the top two of the four that made it, Isn't that contradicting his whole argument? Not necessarily. I don't think it does. I mean, right now, these are the four teams, so he's ranking them. But his whole issue is what many people around the nation, especially in Tallahassee, felt that Florida State, you know, without getting too deep into this again because of what they did in the conference, going undefeated, and some of the other things they did uh, deserve to be in there. Now, now that they're not in, so he's now taking a look at the four teams and then ranking them uh, as he sees fit. You know, I don't, I don't. So if if they deserve to be in, and let's, because this is the other part I was listening for. I uh, I really wanted Greg. I wanted someone to ask him. I would love somebody to ask him if Florida State got in and Alabama didn't rank those four teams, right. and where would he have Florida State? It's not even necessary. You know where he'd have Florida State, right? And see, I, again, this this goes back to everybody wanting to create the 
criteria themselves for what the college football playoff committee is tasked to doing. And I think it's well documented what the task is. And and guys like Booger are, are not acknowledging that. He's also the same guy who says it should be the four most deserving teams, not the four best teams. Right. He has said that, so And that's and, and and I think that's the that's the bigger point and to the point Lee was making was you you've you can argue it should be the four most deserving teams, but don't sit here and tell me that Florida State should be in over Alabama because that's not the rules and regulations on which this now you can argue that the committee needs to revamp their rules and their guidelines but don't sit here and tell me, you know, Liberty deserves to get in because they deserve it more than Alabama or Texas or whoever. Well, if you're going to go that direction, more than SMU. Exactly. That's my point. And so that that was kind of, kind of how we got into it with Jerry Palm because Jerry Palm's like, they're, they're an undefeated, they're an undefeated power five. Well, why are you placing more importance on that conference than another conference? You're no better than the people that are screaming that Alabama's better than Florida State. What if you were working for a Tallahassee radio station talk show host? Would you uh, have changed your tune at all? I think... uh, I think you would have. I think all of us would have. Probably, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I I do think you're going to fight for uh, the team that you have a legitimate interest in. I I agree with you, and that's why I was hoping Alabama got in. And there are obviously reasons. We carry Alabama football. There's more interest in the college football playoffs than there are in some of these bowl games. But I I don't always side with the team that we cover. Or that I cheer for. Like, I was anti-Saints on the bounty gate. I'm like, you screwed up. Like, there's there's no way to defend what you did. Not only did you did you do it, but then you tried to cover it up and then you lied about it. Like, there's, there's, there's no way to spin that. Like, you get what you deserve because you were pompous about the whole thing. So, I, I can't sit here with 100% certainty and say if I were a Tallahassee radio show, I'd be like, oh, Florida State got screwed because they won every game and they're in a Power 5 conference and look at the... You know, I, again, I don't. I don't know. Without driving this into the ground, I don't blame the people down there for feeling that way. You go undefeated. You go two and zero against the SEC and the other factors. I don't blame them. They have every right to to feel uh, that they were, you know, cast aside. But that being said, I think the thing to follow now is how much of an effort will Florida State make to get out of the ACC? <laughs> I I re- I mean, as during the season, we reported this that there were stories that they were doing everything they could because they don't get enough money. So, okay, that that was one uh, iron in the fire, that you know they don't get paid nearly as much as the SEC schools do. In fact, I think it's what? Half of what the SEC schools get. Vanderbilt gets far more than Florida State. Same thing with the Big Ten, you know, when the money deals come out. So now, after being basically jilted, at the altar and being the first undefeated team in a power five not to make it. I'm just curious with how the board of trustees, the AD, if they're really going to make a concerted effort to do something to get out of the ACC. And, and I could see that coming. I really can. Do you guys think this will ultimately, and it may be a moot point because we're going to the 12, but if you remember when Auburn didn't get in, it, Ooh, yes. it actually, and I've said this for years, it's done more for the SEC than any other single event 
because there was so much attention brought to the fact that an undefeated SEC team didn't get in that I, I almost think we the SEC got the benefit of the doubt for years to come. I'm wondering if it will have that same same feel for the ACC moving forward. We had um, it's kind of a Oklahoma and twelve teams though Southern Cal, right? Yeah, uh, and, and they got in, and and game didn't turn out to be so great. No, now, I think Oklahoma did they. In 04, have a loss. I think one of them. I think they did. They did not. No, they went undefeated. They were undefeated They were too? one to two f- wire right. to wire. And then th- this was only when you had two teams in the BCS. And yeah, Auburn with all oh, the multitude of stars they had on that team, and yeah, they got shut out. And I think we talked about this on the air where Mike Slive, somebody quoted Mike Slive, the the late commissioner, and saying this will never happen again. Yep. All right. When we come back, we're gonna see if we can catch up with. State championship winning coach, Ronnie Cottrell. Stay with us. The opening kickoff continues right here on the Sports Station WNSP. WNSP, thanks for hanging with us. Hope you guys have a good, uh, safe weekend, man. We got plenty to get to before we get to the weekend, though. Uh, it's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. All right, so I assume uh, Michael's still trying to get Ronnie Cottrell on. We were hoping to have a highlight from that game. Michael, I'm very disappointed you did not get a highlight. So let me ask you this. You being the voice of high school football in this area, can you uh, – Recreate for me a Mobile Christian touchdown. Uh, you'll have to come back to me on that later. Uh, just, just Gaston's back to pass. Long throw, touchdown. <laughs> What's so hard about that? He gets and drops back. Times. Touchdown. There you go. I wanted because you you called a Mobile Christian game. Did they score fifty five points when you went? They didn't score fifty five points, but PJ Brown ran wild. Ronnie Cottrell, congratulations. You're a champ. Well, if we are, we are. Mobile Christian Leopards have got a, a blue map, and uh, we're very, very excited for our team. School will be interesting today. Um, I don't know, Lee. I know I talked to you about this before the game. I I knew we could win. I felt like after we had beaten St. James, and it was very, I'll say, adverse up and down and we chased uh, the quarterback from St. James all over the field. I just felt like after we overcame that, we were going to win, and our kids did. So, I don't know, it was a big day yesterday. It's still still hard to play at 11 in the morning, but our kids, they did a great job. And, um, and I tell you, we had a huge crowd there, Lee. It was amazing. Um, our support. Our fans, our students were just phenomenal. So, I don't know. I, there's so much to say, but we we held up that trophy. And uh, I've wanted that for these kids here. I wanted them to, you know, just to finish that achievement, and they did. You said it would be difficult to get up at 11 a.m. You'd have a hard time convincing Madison Academy of that. You got off to a 14-0 start. You had six touchdowns of 33 yards or more. Had you done that at all this year? 
No, not really. But that's just what's so amazing about this team. They're they're so resilient, and uh, I don't know. They have the DNA of this team is they have great poise. Uh, it just nothing seemed to phase them. Cantonio uh, Kelly uh, just played a phenomenal game again. He's he's led the state in tackles, and you know he had a pick. He had a touchdown catch. Uh, the MVP of the game was Damian Gatson, and uh, and he's given so much leadership for this team on offense. But uh, Mar- uh, Carter Lewis again was outstanding with the kicking game. Uh, the one thing that was interesting, they loaded the box so much. Uh, Madison Academy put so many people in the box. They just made our run game a little more difficult early in the game. And uh, that's why we had two touchdown passes uh, <clears throat> early to take the lead. But as it would be in any championship game, we were up 14 points, Lee, and they answered both scores. Um, and they tied the game. You know, who was but immediately on the re- on the next kickoff, uh, Michael Moore returned the kick to the Madison Academy six yard line, and Jordan Willard put it in to, to regain the lead. We never we never trailed after that. Yeah, and never I'll tell you, tied. I was impressed with the uh, running back Curry for Madison Academy. Cherry. Cherry, Cherry, Ken Cherry, and and, I, and you know what? He's rushed for twenty five hundred yards this year. We knew going in that we were going to have to have a plan to stop him. And early in the game, we held him to very nominal, minimal yards. But uh, as the game went on, he did do a little better. Uh, and we knew going in, we knew they scored a lot of points. We knew we were going to have to figure out a way to stop him and keep them from scoring. But uh, I don't know. Our defense played well enough. And as 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 I've said many times before, Charles Lawson, our defense coordinator, uh, just put together a good plan. But, but if you're going to play in a championship game, you're going to play an undefeated number two team, you're going to have to expect a little adversity. And, and again, like I said, the, the leadership of this team, the senior group, there's there's several outstanding junior players on this team. Juniors, uh, they just hung in there and kept playing. And uh, I mean, it, third quarter we scored three touchdowns. I mean, excuse me, fourth quarter we scored three touchdowns. So it was a it was a tight game for most of the game. I thought I thought a huge turning point really, Ronnie, was with I think you all got the huge fourth down stop with about eight eight and a half minutes to go. I I thought that changed the complexity of the game. Uh, right then and there. I agree. I agree, Mark. And uh, I don't know, Bob Godsey, the head football coach at Madison Academy, has been very, very successful. He's a, an old friend. He and I both were Troy State guys, and he just did a great job with his team. But I knew, I knew after, you know, we just slugged it out with St. James that, we we were going to win it up there because I knew there was nothing they could give us that was any more difficult than what we got that night at Mobile Christian. And um, I don't know, I've told both of you guys, this is the best team I've had since I've been at Mobile Christian. I knew the potential of what we had. 
in spite of a lot of adversity and different things that have happened in the last two years, these kids have just stayed together. And um, I just wanted so badly for these kids to, to have this opportunity and thank God that we did get it. Ronnie, let me ask you this on Gaston, and it was brought out on the broadcast, and we knew this, that uh, he right now is committed to play baseball at South Alabama. But is he getting any offers to play football from any schools? Well, unfortunately, with the with the landscape of Division One college football and the portal, you know, there's not a lot of quarterbacks being recruited. But uh, you know, everybody that comes in and sees him loves him, and plus, you know, he is so uh, talented at baseball. You know, he could even be a major league baseball guy next year. But he has another year. He has a. He's just a junior. So it's still a little early for some teams, some colleges. But uh, don't know what we would have done without Damon. He was the MVP of the game, and I mean for the whole season. Again, the the leadership aspect of this team was so good, and uh, he was that component on offense, just to you know protect the ball, to spread the ball to the people that that's supposed to get it, and. Um, <clears throat> Very unselfish guy himself. Uh, but I do think next year, if he chooses to, he'll have that opportunity. He's just a phenomenal athlete and a hard worker from a great family. So, I mean, I think he's going to be a guy that some college team is going to want to, to put in their program. But here's the ironic thing, Lee. South Alabama has him committed right now. I just hope they'll take a look at him when he comes over there. Uh, I got to be honest, man. You were looking pretty fly out there with the shades on all, all game. You, you you got an NIL deal with with some uh with some sunglass company sunglasses company. Oh, Mark, you're so bad. <laughs> what? I, That's I've a compliment. Been, I've been hammered about the glasses, but you know I had the uh, I had a detached retina surgery last Thursday, and so I I was wearing it there. I couldn't even see out of my right eye. But um, that's why I was wearing glasses so, all week. It, it wasn't for looks, I promise you. So, but, uh, wait a minute. So, you're such a good coach that you can coach with one eye closed all game in a state championship? Yeah, yeah I should have told – I should have told uh, Bob – I should have told Bob after the game uh, they just got beat by a blind guy. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, I, it had nothing to do with coaching. You know, I've had so many – had so many coaches on my staff that have been with me since the beginning. Uh, last week against uh, St. James, I coached in the press box. I mean, and our kids, you know, they just play together so good. I think I think you could have done it, Mark. We could have stuck you in there, and we could have still won it. I would have done you, it. I, I would have given it a shot. Ronnie, I had eye surgery retina a couple years ago. I was told to lay low for about a week, and you're out there coaching a championship game? Well, and I'm ashamed of myself, but uh, <laughs> but I wasn't gonna miss it, man. I, uh, my doctor, Dr. Chris uh, Simple in town, he was great to help me get it done. And uh, but no, I wasn't gonna miss that, Mark. I mean, Mark Lee. These guys were just—they worked too hard, and uh, we were gonna find a way to get it done. So, where's the trophy right now, Coach? 
trophy is in my office at the school, but there will be a lot of pictures made today, I'm sure. There was a lot made yesterday. Um, I don't know. That, a celebration that occurs after those games are so exceptional. And and um, I can remember the, when I won the, won the state championship at Godby High School, you know, at Flor in Florida, the kids just went crazy, and we did the same thing. I mean, it was – I guess every team does it. What is – do you know – maybe too early to ask what, what's going to happen as far as celebrating on campus? Will there be any kind of get-together? I, I was kind of surprised you're having class today. Are the kids given kind of a pass if they come in late today or no? Well, you know, they let them out of school yesterday. They, they We closed the school for – the, the students to attend the game and I think every one of them was there it was amazing but uh, no we'll have regular class but but I'm sure that there'll be a pretty pretty good chapel service and a lot of discussion about it um, <clears throat> it's Friday though so I don't know there'll be some fun things happening at the school today I'm sure yeah look if I had just won a state championship in any sport you'd have to pull me away from going to school the next day I'm, I'm rolling in like the man <laughs> oh man well you know there's a lot of guys in this town that have have uh you know won championships and there's several this year that are number one and you know and will win it if they haven't but uh, we're just honored and proud that our team is one of the teams that's hoisting that blue map well we got you gulf shores we we're gonna we're gonna claim leroy today and then if Sarland, God, that'd be four out of the seven. That'd be fantastic. Well, it's the water down here, I think. You know, that, I was asked that a lot during my time in Tuscaloosa. You know, some of the best football in this state is played right here in this city and um, in this south region down here, region one. So uh, there's a lot of good coaches in this region, but mainly it's a lot of good people here in this area that love football. And uh, I'm not the first guy to win a championship here at Mobile Christian. They won a bunch. Glenn Vickery won uh, multiple, I think, and uh, when the, we were in AISA. But this is the first one we've won AHSAA. Um, and I'm so proud of our players I'm just so proud of my coaches, and, you know, this does so much for our community, for our school, and um, like Mark said, this will be a happy day at Mobile Christian. Was this, uh, let's see how I'm going to phrase this, you coached at Alabama for, I think, at least three years. Walking off Bryant Denny, can you say this was the proudest moment you ever experienced in that stadium? Well, I, I said, and I'll say it again, this this is one of the greatest victories I've been a part of, you know, just for these kids. But it was very sweet, you know, overcoming some of the things I've had to overcome from the University of Alabama experience. And because we, at the end of our experience at Alabama, we didn't win that last game, so... I'm I'm excited to walk off of Bryant Denny Stadium this time with a victory. 
Hey, congratulations. Thank you for getting up early. My guess is uh, potentially maybe you haven't even slept yet, but we appreciate you uh, joining us. Congratulations on an unbelievable season in, in the state championship, Coach. We always enjoy coming out to see you guys out there, and uh, well-deserved. We'll be in touch. Enjoy the weekend. Hey, Mark, can I say one more thing before I go? Absolutely. During our chapel time before the game, uh, Terry Cagle, our team chaplain, he's also our strength coach, he he used the verse Psalms 37.4, and that says God will give you the desires of your heart. And, um, you know, that's what I wanted so bad for our players just to experience and to be able to win this championship. And I just thank God that we did get that opportunity uh, because, again, I don't know, you've been a part of championship teams, but there's a lot of guys that have never been involved with teams like this. And I'm just so happy for Mobile Christian. But mostly I'm so happy for my players and my coaches that we were able to do that. And uh, y'all have a wonderful day. Hey, you too. Thank you again, Coach. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. Ronnie Cottrell. When we come back, uh, we'll take your phone calls. Dan Jennings at 7 o'clock. We'll talk some Heisman at 7.30. We're efforting Mark Hudspeth for 8.30. It was a little bit of a late night last night. But we'll see if we can uh, catch up with the Gulf Shores State Championship winning coach. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's a Friday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. you something, Stephen A. <laughs> if you come over here with all that loud ass stuff in the <laughs> hey, this ain't first take. Uh, hey, thank hey, you. This Tell ain't him, first take. This gonna be the first to ass whipping you take. <laughs> you come over here with that loud ass talk. But I'm gonna tell you that. Oh yeah, 653, Charles Barkley in mid-season form last night as uh, TNT and ESPN kind of came together for this whole in tournament uh, or in season tournament, uh, Stephen A. He kind of he he complimented all the other folks, Will Bond and all those guys, but went after Stephen A. And it was it was it was priceless. Kinda Good for him. Worried about had it resulted in anything other than a verbal onslaught, maybe a few punches here and there. And I'm thinking somebody may have needed oral surgery. Well, I know the guy to recommend even though they would have had to take a flight down here, and that's Dr. Christopher Mullinex. Chris, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Thank you. Probably shouldn't ask a question like this, but have you ever had to deal with somebody at the last minute who maybe got into an altercation? Oh, absolutely, Lee. Really? Uh, Seriously? (laughs) And they tell you that? It's an unplanned event, and so it doesn't happen on a schedule or a calendar, and, you know, that's what we're here for. Uh, if you have an urgency or an emergency, you can call the number. It's answered 24-7. We'll do our best to get you in and get you treated as quick as possible. Wow. I, I was joking about this. I didn't I didn't know. I mean, would they have actually told you, hey, I just got into a fist fight. I got my mouth rearranged or something? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's typically fairly obvious, but you, you ask the mechanism of injury so that you can kind of help to determine what collateral damage or other injuries could possibly be. So, you know, most of the time people are honest about it. You know, I tell people all the time how professional you are, and you've been doing this for, what, 20 years, I think, give or take? You know, I've been in Mobile for 23, um, trained in Birmingham for six before that. So I've been doing oral surgery for almost 30 years. Well, here's what I real I mean, that's – 
that's a good thing to know, but also how personable you and your staff are. I mean, you really put you put me at ease that first time, and 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 that's why, you know, there's that goes a long way because most people, I would guess. Well, I'm going to use myself as an example. The first time I ever saw you, the anxiety of having something done that I knew nothing about. But you were there just to put you put them at ease and everything and everything uh, worked out so well. But I think personality goes a long way with a doctor as well as a dentist or, in your case, an oral surgeon. Well, you know, Lee, we, we understand people are, are nervous, apprehensive. Uh, some people are just downright scared to have dental procedures and specifically oral surgery. And uh, we're attuned to that. We want to try to make things as easy as possible. From the beginning, from the time they walk in the door till surgery till after surgery care, and we're very upfront, we're very uh, diligent, uh, we're very sympathetic, and I think you know we do as good a job as anybody on on the Gulf Coast at taking care of people's oral surgery needs. Doc, I I gotta believe if we have more time. We're gonna get you in here one day where we can do a whole segment of where you can share stories of patients that just got r- hit in the mouth. I'm sure you got some great stories. Well, yeah, I do have a lot of stories. Unfortunately, we probably in this day and age can't discuss most of those, at least uh, with much detail. But, you know, it's a crazy time we live in, and uh, things happen. Uh, fortunately, we have the training and ability to manage it if it happens to the, the face and the mouth. Does Alabama get an eighth title for Saban? Because if they do, Mark thinks that that's going to pave the way for me coming in for another eighth dental implant. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I think that the odds are pretty high based on the field that, that's currently in. So uh, I don't know what Vegas has it at, but, uh, you know, I think we have as good a chance as anybody to win the tournament. Um, you know, if you need an implant, we're here, Lee. I'm not sure you need eight more, but, you know, you may need one more someday, and we'll be happy to help. So Alabama's got seven – or Saban's got seven titles. Lee's got seven implants. Some guys go out and celebrate and get tattoos. I just said if if they win the title, he should he should – you know, remember the day by going to get an eighth implant. Well, I mean, I think that's that's unusual, but I think it's an excellent idea, and <laughs> I think we have the ability to accommodate any listener that wishes don't, to get a dental implant to celebrate the national title. Chris, don't don't listen to his ideas. Don't listen. That's no, not him. a bad one. I mean. Yeah, I mean, we do that plus the punch card. Remember, we said we need to do a punch card for Lee when he, you know, when he gets to get eleven implants, the twelfth one's free. Well, he, he likes a freebie, so we always try to hook him up with something when he comes in. Exactly. All right. So, if anybody other than Lee walks in, what's the, or needs information, what's the best way to get it? Absolutely. Two five one four seven one three three eight one is the phone. Always answered. We're on the web at mobileoilsurgery dot com. Hey, have a great weekend. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate what you do. Have a great weekend. Hmm. See, I'm I'm trying to work a freebie in there. You got to work like, a little. Now that I like. Yeah, right. Well, you got to like. work a little bit. I yeah. mean, we we still got a little work to do. So <laughs> imagine going in and having a bunch of cards. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! Here, only, no, this is for yogurt. Hang right. on, wait. Yeah, this, so so you're only two two away from reaching twelve. Yeah. Could happen. Could okay. happen. We have uh, issues in our family, or have had issues, teeth problems. So it could happen. All right, uh, coming up in hour number two, Dan Jennings will kick things off. We'll talk some winter meetings. We'll have your daily dose of fried deliciousness. Uh, Max Chadwick of Pro Football Focus will join us. We'll talk a little hyphen. Uh, they're giving that bad boy away tomorrow. John Ricchetti will be along in the light golf report. Hour number three, Danny Cordy on the Mobile Bowl, and we're going to effort Mark Hudspeth, the uh, Gulf Shores coach. Those guys won a state championship, too. Um 
bringing the hardware back to South Alabama. How about them apples? Hour number one of the books. Here comes hour number two on a Friday. Hang with us. It's the opening kickoff. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and on the Sound of Mobile app the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Hine Lee Shervanian and Michael Brawner the opening kickoff kickoff here are Mark Lee and Michael <laughs> two on a Friday. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. All right, some of the headlines. Well, we talked to Ronnie Cottrell. They've got a championship uh, trophy at Mobile Christian. Congratulations to Ronnie, the team, and the school with a resounding win over Madison Academy, scoring 21 or 20 points in the uh, fourth quarter in the 55-28 to 28 win to win the 3A title. Gulf Shores comes home with a championship, 21-14. We're hoping Mark Hedspeth will join us in the 8.30 slot. Uh, also last night, uh, Bailey Zappi, gosh, had a, maybe his best game ever. Three touchdown passes in the first half to lead uh, New England. Upset the Steelers, in a sense. Uh, and and that the funny thing was, though, the, the over-under was like 30, and they went over it. Everybody thought it might be under it, but it was um, 21-18, and this really hurts the Steelers. It knocks them right now out of the wild card. Going to talk some uh, winter meeting baseball, which I was really excited about. All I heard all week, this is going to be the active, be a lot of trades, a lot of signings. And all I heard were rumors, speculation, rumors. Dan Jennings was up there. Danny, were the general managers and the baseball people, were they more concerned about sunning themselves or going to uh, nightclubs? There was hardly anything done up there. More concerned about talking about the uh, college football playoffs and and who got in and who was left out. That was uh, that was a big topic. But no, it was you know what there. If you step back and look, there were quite a few things that did occur. Um, probably the biggest the biggest thing that's you know everybody is waiting on is when and where will Shohei Otani uh, end up and. You know, right now the big places that you keep hearing about are uh, L.A. with the Dodgers or Toronto with the Blue Jays. And I'll tell you, there's something, a little bit of an underlying current, sneaky. Uh, you, the Texas Rangers might be lurking in the uh, – they may be lurking there. So don't, don't be surprised if something uh, sneaky like that were to happen. One of your favorites, Juan Soto, started with Washington. He's with the Yankees now. Seven-player deal. It was the only major action that happened all week long. Seven players. Soto suits up for the Yankees, who were terrible on offense this past year. Who got the benefit of this deal? 
Well, I think if you put Juan Soto in any lineup, you definitely get the benefit. I mean, this guy's numbers to this point in his career at 25 years old are historic. And, you know, you stop and look at here's a kid that when we offered $440 million, he turned it down. He got traded. I think it was a culture shock. Um, you know, he was leaving the, org the only organization that he ever knew, and it took him a bit to get on track. Uh, he did get on track, get going, and then last year he finished up. You know, he looked like the, the guy that he is and he's going to be. Now you put him in a Yankee lineup with uh, Aaron Judge hitting behind him. I don't know if there's a better one-two punch uh, in all of baseball when you have these two guys hitting back-to-back left-handed power I mean he he's not a dead pull hitter so you know the advantage of what the short porch in Yankee Stadium could give lefty hitters probably not as much but uh, it'll certainly help him some but having that big six foot seven cat behind you um, I, I truly could see Soto being an MVP uh, MVP certainly candidate and winner this year key for the Yankees will they be able to sign him he's a free agent after this coming year I mean that's a lot to give up I guess I I know they gave up a good pitcher and their starting catcher among the five players but the key is keeping him a Yankee for more than one year yeah that's the key I, I don't think it's any secret Soto wanted to be back on the east coast and uh, you know there's some people that said and you know he's always admired and wanted to play uh, with the Yankees. So if that's the case, then they'll have a leg up on, uh, you know, a full year to be able to uh, work on an extension with him and, uh, and pay him the money. But, and if that lineup, you know, they make the trade with uh, Boston and get Alex Verdugo, which over the history of my life, I think that's probably occurred about three or four times with the Yankees Red Sox trades with each other. So now you've got a Verdugo, Soto, uh, Judge, Stanton, uh, Rizzo-type lineup, and uh, they're kind of becoming the beast in that East again. And, you know, it, it reminded me when I saw that of the days of George Steinbrenner going, you know what, that's the guy I want. We're going to get him. Make anything of the uh, Braves deal with Seattle getting Kanellick uh, or whatever his name is to play the outfield? Is that Was that a big topic of conversation up there in Nashville? You know what? This kid was a high pick, and he's shown he's shown some promise, uh, and and he's been a little streaky. He'll show you things, but he hasn't been uh, you know what they truly thought in Seattle, and I think probably uh, they Seattle looked at it as a chance to go get a change of scenery. It was talked about that you know Seattle was clearing some spots so they could go out and go get. Uh, maybe get in the Otani sweepstakes as well. So I'm not sure, you know, how that goes. I know Seattle's had a rich history of bringing in uh, Japanese players, certainly with Ichiro, and uh, Ichiro's still on that staff. So, you know, you got to think that in some capacity that could be, uh, you know, that could have some merit to it. You know, whenever you hear about Soto, and now I see Bryce Harper's in the news, he wants an extension or Boris, his agent, wants it for him. Do you ever think back and think, gosh, if this was the 60s or 70s when players didn't move around and you didn't have that much free agency, that you would have Soto and Harper in the same lineup for Washington? 
Oh, yeah. We've, we've had that conversation many times. Uh, I talked to Tony Perez the other night, the part of the big red machine with Cincinnati, and Doggy was saying, man, I, I never would have dreamed that I see a day when, you know, a ball player's making a quarter, I mean, a half a billion dollars, and, and uh, you know, there's some rumor out there that uh, Otani could get as much as $600 million. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a very healthy revenue-driven business at about $12 billion a year, and the players are certainly not afraid to ask and receive the money they're getting. But uh, you hate it because of the day, you know, when you had guys come through your system, you grew them, you got them ready, and they stayed with a team for quite a long time, and uh, and they became fan favorites for sure. All right, before I let you go, and we'll switch to the, the football topic, which has been hot all week. Before you left, of course, you replaced Mark, and even back then you were pretty adamant no matter what the SEC would have a team in there, and in particular Alabama if they beat Georgia. So you mentioned about this was a discussion up in Nashville. How, how was the discussion in that you had a lot of people outside the state of Alabama? Were you uh, going head-to-head with those who thought Florida State should have been in? Of course. You know there are Alabama haters out there, and – some people, they admire what Saban's been able to do and continue doing. They just hate the fact that it's happening or not happening to uh, to the, their school and university. And I think everybody felt, felt bad for Florida State. Um, they call it a power five with four positions. So there's a good chance if every team, uh, there's undefeated teams and you win your, you win your conference that somebody's going to get left at the altar. But, you know, my – my takeaway was this. No, no one is talking about Georgia. How about Georgia? They reel off 29 in a row, two-time champs. They got a legitimate beef about not being there. Certainly Florida State does. If I had a, if I had a son that was playing at Florida State, I, yeah, I would be angry. But don't point the finger at Alabama. They did what they had to do. They took care of their business. They beat what you said was the number one team in the country committee. And the other thing I I truly feel in my heart, you looked at this and go, now, wait a minute. We can make one conference disappointed with Florida State or one team in a conference, or you can make two teams in a conference disappointed with Alabama-Georgia. And I, I think they looked at it and went, Alabama lost to the number three team in the country. Georgia lost, I mean, uh, Texas lost to the number 13 team in the country. And Bama's win was bigger than the win that Texas had, and they had to look at putting them in. Yeah, to your point now, it's looking like, and I think this point was made on our show, Dan, uh, Alabama now has the best win of the season. And yep. they have the best loss of the season because they lost to the team that's ultimately in the college football playoff. There you go. And I, I think when you back up, and again, I hear you, anybody that says Florida State wasn't deserving, I disagree. And all you know, being in athletics my whole life, you have the next man up theory. You lose your quarterback, next guy up, let's go. I get it. And they handle their business, albeit not pretty. And you, I had people there saying, well, Alabama beat South Florida, and it wasn't pretty. I said, that, you, you're right, but there was a little different circumstance. And uh, I think the good thing about the 12 teams is 
you wouldn't have this argument coming. I just uh, I don't know that I think it's great to add that extra game, uh, you know, from a standpoint of wear and tear on these kids' bodies, but it's certainly going to make for some great uh, great football when they get to 12 people or 12 teams in that mix. I'm guessing, I'm thinking back, you went to the Alabama-Texas game two years ago. You went this year too, right? Correct. So if they play Texas again, you going? I've already got the hotel set and ready in Houston. And uh, you know what? I think just Washington, Washington, Washington impressed me. And the speed of Washington, I think, is uh, underrated. I think it's pretty special. It's going to be one heck of a game. I think both games are going to be uh, are going to be very good. And I'm excited to see it. Um, and I think Alabama is on a on a uh, they're on a mission to make a statement. As always, we appreciate your time, Daniel. Thank you, sir. All right, and hey, hats off to our uh, state champs bringing home the trophy and uh, go get them today, Sarah Land. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Scoreboard traffic and weather are next. We'll catch up with Alec Naiman uh, coming up in this hour as well. Your daily dose of fried deliciousness. So be listening for that. I got a good one today. Oh, boy. It's a Heisman uh, Trophy question. Okay. Well, be ready. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues on this Friday edition. Let's find out if there's any uh, room left to get in a holiday uh, party with uh, Alec Naiman catering it. Or are there turkeys or ham available for uh, Christmas? Alec, where do we stand on those issues? Hey, guys. I, well, listen, uh, we got we got a little bit. We can, we can take somebody's little party, that's for sure. Uh, maybe not on Saturdays or Fridays because those are just about booked up. Listen, we're going to have our turkeys, of course, for for Christmas, uh, you know, uh, Christmas dinner. So we've got them smoked. We've got them fried. We've got them roasted. We've got the hams. We're going to have prime ribs and beef tenderloins. we got people ordering crab soups and gumbos, making mm. a nice little menu out of everything. So, you know, all you got to do is call us right now at 473-3900. Of course, look uh, us up on the web at namenscatering.com. We've got our holiday menus and our packages uh, up online there. It's easy to review. And my goodness, I mean, Christmas is just a couple of weeks away, huh? I mean, we don't have much time. So, guys, I, I hope y'all have a great weekend. We'll just keep giving away turkeys just about as much as we can. How about that? Alec, you're the man. Hey, by the way, uh, there was kind of a big birthday in your family here recently, wasn't there? Well, my dad, he turned 99. How about that? And, uh, I tell you, we're just blessed. You know, the doctor said he might live to be 110. I said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, we might make the book of the, uh, the gender, what do they call it? The World Guinness, Genius Book. Yeah, Genius uh, book. Guinness World Book. Can you remember? Hey, well, uh, congratulations to him and to you, and uh, thanks for all that you do for WNSP and the community, man, especially around the holidays. We really appreciate it. Well, we're blessed. Thank you, guys. And y'all have a great one. I'll give you one of my gold jacks. They're going to be coming to Mobile.
field. What do you think? How about that? <laughs> Playing in the 68 Venture Bowl. How about that? I love it. Thank you, man. You know, that's All right, guys. Sub- have a great weekend. Thanks, Alex. That's one of the subject matter. I had Danny Cordy joining us, uh, the Sports Authority, about that bowl game because, you know, usually you look at these bowl games as impacting economic uh, in the city, but with a team staying home, which is rare, but it's happening other places too. Memphis, Boston College come to mind. I want to get his thoughts on having uh, South Alabama have a home game. But also, Mark, he told me he went to the Super 7 at least the other day to try to talk to some of the higher-ups about maybe future scheduling down here. So we'll I see. saw him. I saw him on my TV. Did you? Oh, was he, he was, interviewed? He, no, he was roaming the sidelines. I saw him. Okay. Well, we'll see if anything came out of his conversations. Uh, speaking of, and I know we mentioned it, you mentioned it uh, in, the, uh, in your scoreboard, but for those just joining us, that one-handed interception by Royal for Gulf Shores, to me, might be the single best high school play I've ever seen. It was definitely the, the best catch of the year. For no, There's just no doubt in my mind. But unbelievable one-handed grab on the sideline there. It was caught on video. I put the link in uh, the app at WNSP.com. Just Unreal. Well, here's what we ought to go with this one, then. Uh, some of those great restaurants down there at Gulf Shores ought to advertise the Royal Catch of the Year. Because a lot of times on the menu, you see the Catch of the Day or Catch of the Week. Maybe go with the Royal Catch of the Year. A lot of talk about, uh, speaking of, NIL. I saw that, there's a, uh, there, what There's a bill being formed yeah. or being proposed for yeah. a high school NIL here in the state. We it was knew. only a matter of time. It was a matter of time. We saw it coming. Now, of course, it still has to pass. The uh, executives who run the State High School Athletic Association will not comment on it. All it is right now is a bill. We'll see if it has legs. Obviously, I, I was thinking about maybe the coaches we got on today asking, but I'm not going to do that. This is all about winning championships. We can get into that in the near future about how some of the coaches feel about this. But, look, we've been many – venues this year with game day and we've talked to almost all the coaches and all of them have basically said we know it's coming and there's really nothing you can do about it and then on top of that did you see another lawsuit has been filed against the ncaa three athletes you're not familiar with any of them i'm not but three athletes have gotten some attorneys involved and they are now suing the ncaa and power five conferences because they want to get paid by the schools. Now, the other day we talked about Charles Baker, the new commissioner, has come out with a, uh, a statement uh, proposal, not a statement, but a proposal to where the Power Fives can pay student-athletes. These people now have instituted a lawsuit, which there's so many lawsuits out there now, I don't know how you keep track of all of them. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll talk some Heisman. They will announce that bad boy tomorrow. We'll give you a little indication on, uh, well, did they earn it? Do they deserve it? We'll jump into the analytics of it all when we come back right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Seven times a day 
Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, ladies and gentlemen, 7.32, it's now time for your uh, daily dose of fried deliciousness. In the history of handing out the Heisman Trophy, I believe there have been 14, 14 winners who have played for a team that had three or more losses. Jane Daniels is considered the favorite. His LSU team lost three games, so that would be like the 15th. Question today, who was the last Heisman Trophy winner to play on a team that lost three or more games? You know the answer is 694-1055. All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to tell you, we're, we're going to – we're efforting um, – we're efforting someone that's going to give us some analytics on the whole Heisman Trophy thing. Interesting, I, I brought this up earlier. Uh, our guy Booger McFarlane has been adamant that Florida State has uh, has gotten robbed, right? His whole thing is they were the most deserving. They earned uh, the right to get in there. He, was, he joined Greg McElroy on McElroy's podcast, and he brought up ranking – the four teams that are in the playoff. Interestingly enough, he had Texas number one. Thinks Texas is going to win the, uh, the the national championship. He's got Alabama ranked number two. Exactly. So if they're the second best team in, and now the fo- the natural follow up question to that is. Well, where would he have had Florida State had Florida State gotten in and Alabama not? And and we all know the answer to that, right? It certainly wouldn't have been top two. There's no way it would have been t- top two. But this all goes back to people's inability to remember one very specific fact about this whole discussion. Who are the four best teams? That is the only thing, and I'll sit here and say it till I'm blue in the face. We just need people to acknowledge that that is the goal of the committee. Now, you may not like it. You may not agree with it, and that's fine. We can we can debate the pros and cons of that aspect of it. But to sit here and say the committee got it wrong, no, they didn't. Not every conference is built equal. No one's screaming about Liberty not getting in simply because they earned it. And those people will say, well, they're not in the same quality of conference. Well, now you're being just as judgmental uh, about Liberty as Alabama fans are being about Florida State. It's a little hypocritical. But I did find it very interesting that Booger acknowledges that Alabama is the second best team in the uh, in the playoff. Don't By the way, he had Michigan three and Washington four. Yeah, don't mess with him, though. He's a big guy. I've been around him before. He he's carries his weight well. All right, uh, we, we want to talk about the Heisman. We got uh, four candidates going up to New York for this. Uh, I mentioned Daniels. You got Knicks. You got Penix, and you got uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Joining me now, Pro Football Focus college analyst uh, Max Chadwick. Max, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, okay, we're going to start out like this. Analytically speaking, from all that Pro Football Focus does. Which of these four candidates deserves it the most? Uh, I think it's pretty clear that it's Jaden Daniels who deserves the Heisman Trophy the most. You know, he's the highest graded quarterback in the country. 
uh, highest graded offensive player in the country at a 94.7 grade. Uh, in fact, that's actually the fourth best we've ever seen by an FPS quarterback in a single season. So, uh, yeah, Jaden Daniels, by pretty much every metric we have, uh, was pretty easily the uh, top quarterback in the country this year. And as you know, there's like over 900 people who vote. Uh, could you possibly see somebody else winning this tomorrow night? Uh, not at this point. Uh, I think the only way I would I would see it is if the Heisman voters, most of them, uh, if they put their votes in before conference championship weekend, because obviously heading into that weekend, Bo Nix was seen as a favorite. He loses, uh, which I think opens up the door for Jaden Daniels. I mean, if you look at the betting odds, I know they were taken away now, but before they were taken away, Jaden Daniels like minus fifteen hundred to win the Heisman Trophy. Like he was the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. So. Uh, I'd be pretty floored if, if he's not the uh, the winner on Saturday night. And this is, I mean, away from the analytics of it all, but this is a good thing for the Heisman Trophy, right? I mean, for, for far too long we've talked about it being the best player on the best team, right? With three losses, we kind of debunked that, at least for a year. Yeah, it, it is a good thing, honestly, because it's supposed to be for the most outstanding player in college football. And you cannot tell me that J.D. Daniels is not the most outstanding player in college football this year. I mean, yeah, LSU has a 9-3 record, but – I mean, listen, they, they had the best offense in college football this year. They did, by, by pretty much every account. And in those three losses, they gave up 142 points, meaning they were averaging 47 <laughs> points allowed per yeah. game in those yeah. three losses. So I don't know what you want Jaden Daniels to do uh, in that situation. So, yeah, those three losses were not on him at all. I mean, this offense was, again, this is a national championship-level offense. Just the problem was the defense was nowhere close to that level. So, uh, yeah, those three losses, by by all accounts, were not on him at all. Talking with Vex, uh, Chadwick with Pro Football Focus. So let's set, take the three quarterbacks. Forget the Heisman. Forget the year that they had this year. Which of the three projects as the best draftee in the upcoming draft? Yeah, that's a good question. I honestly still think it's Jaden Daniels. I, I think he's a guy that, you know, obviously the mobility is a huge thing. He rushed for like 1,200 yards this year, which is insane. Uh, and then another thing I love about Jaden Daniels, he got better every single year of his career. I mean, when he started off at Arizona State, he really was a bad passer. He really could not throw the ball. He was always a great runner, obviously, but he could really could not throw the ball. He transfers to LSU, was a very conservative passer last year, uh, and he got a lot better in terms of taking care of the football, but he wasn't a very – he still wasn't pushing the ball downfield. This year, I mean, he's an absolute flamethrower. He might be the best deep ball thrower in college football. So every single year of his career, he's gotten better. A lot like Jalen Hurts. I remember at Alabama, Jalen Hurts really struggled as a passer uh, to start. Then obviously went to Oklahoma and got a lot better there. Now he's in the NFL. He's like an MVP candidate for the Eagles. So I think Jalen Daniels is kind of having that kind of career arc, and I would not bet against him continuing to improve in the NFL. All right, so let me ask you a little bit of a different Heisman question, right? Because it's been so quarterback-centric for, for as long as we can remember. What kind of numbers, what kind of analytics from any other position would raise your eyebrow a little bit and say, man, maybe this is the type of year where somebody other than a quarterback wins this award? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. You know, it, it is a very quarterback-heavy award. I think you need two things in order for a non-quarterback to win it. You probably need a little bit of a down year for quarterbacks. You need an unbelievable year from a non-quarterback. Remember, I mean, Devontae Smith, when he won it, uh, Mac Jones actually had the highest-graded season we've ever seen by a quarterback, but Devontae Smith was ridiculous that year. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I thought, should have deserved it a couple of years ago over Bryce Young, but 
I thought Blake Corum might have deserved it last year too over Caleb Williams, but uh, it, it is tough, you know. And I don't think there was a non-quarterback this year. I mean, I don't even think Marvin Harrison Jr. should should have been even close to a Heisman finalist uh, when you look at his numbers. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's really tough for a non-quarterback to win it, especially in a year like this when you have a quarterback who had an unbelievable season like Jay and Daniels. Uh, it's pretty much next to impossible. So. Uh, yeah, it, it, you need a kind of a down year for quarterbacks, and you also need like a really amazing year for a non-quarterback to even have a shot at uh, competing for the Heisman Trophy. Coming into the year, the favorites to win the Heisman were Caleb Williams one and Drake May number two. Obviously, they're not even in the mix. They're, neither is going to New York, at least for the Heisman. Any of the quarterbacks that are going to be up there, will they? do any of them have a chance to be drafted ahead of May or Caleb Williams? Uh, I would not say so i think those are still your clear two i mean you gotta remember uh caleb williams and drake may are, are true juniors Jaden daniels is in his fifth season bo nix is in his fifth season michael Penix jr is in his sixth season like these are older guys um and i i think caleb williams and drake may they still had unreal seasons they still were very very good quarterbacks this year uh, they didn't really fall off that hard it's just their teams kind of let them down in a lot of ways for both of them so uh, I, I would say that those two are still kind of the clear top two quarterbacks. But after that, I mean, take your pick, honestly. And for me personally, I would have Jaden Daniels as QB3. But I know that uh, a lot of other people disagree, and they'd have Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr. or even some other guys up there as well. So uh, I, I still think it's a pretty clear top two, though, of Caleb Williams and Drake May. Max, when you when you guys evaluate quarterbacks, I've, I've always been curious. Like, Let's take Bo Nix, for example. Like, Do you do – you, how do you differentiate the, the the guy and his ability and the system that they run? And I use Bo as an example because obviously uh, to say his was a roller coaster ride at Auburn would be an understatement, right? But no one after his stint at Auburn thought that guy was going to go to New York as much as we saw great uh, glimpses of greatness, right? Then he gets to Oregon and it all just kind of falls into place and now everybody's talking about him and his, his the next level of football. How do you guys kind of – kind of evaluate that and kind of feel your way around all of that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Bo at Auburn, like I said, was a roller coaster. Uh, and, and he showed ability. He obviously is a former five-star recruit. Um, he showed the ability to push the ball. I mean, what he is now, he, he's a really, really good system quarterback. He plays within Oregon system at a really high level. Um, but he's not pushing the ball downfield. It's actually like a lot like Jaden Daniels last year where it's a very conservative brand of football, but it's honestly, it's working out really well for him, honestly. So uh, I think what he proved at Oregon that is good, at Auburn he proved that he has the physical tools to make basically any play possible. I remember that LSU play when he kind of ran around back there and then made an unbelievable touchdown pass. He proved at Auburn he, he can make any play possible, but he's obviously a roller coaster because he's, he's kind of trying to play hero ball a lot. But I think he proved at Oregon that he can play within an offense really well while still having that big play ability. Uh, so it, it, it's tough because, like you said, his job at Oregon I think was a lot easier than a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, but uh, it's also like, okay, he's got the physical ability that we've seen before, but we know he can play within an offense. So that's where I think he raises draft stock the most, that he kind of proved that, hey, I'm not going to go out there and just try to make every play by myself. Like I can play within the system. Uh, so I, I think that's what makes what makes these last two years so valuable for him is that he he proved that he can play within an offense, play within structure, um, and, and kind of win that way. If a quarterback is not selected number one, who would Pro Football Focus project 
at another position being the top draft pick? Uh, I think it's pretty clearly the other Heisman finalist in Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, he's the top receiver uh, we've seen in a draft probably in a while. I mean, you, I think he might be better than Jamar Chase. He might even be better than uh, Amari Cooper was coming out in, I think, 2014 or 2015. Um, so I, I think Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, he, he brings everything to the table, size, speed, route running. I mean, he literally has it all. I mean, he's basically like his uh, his dad, who was a top you know 10 receiver of all time probably. He's basically his dad, but bigger and stronger and faster. So uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is, is pretty clearly uh, going to be the first non-quarterback selected in the draft. And there's even a chance, I think, that he could be the first non-quarter, the first overall pick. Uh, I don't know if he will be. I don't know if I would do that. But uh, I do think there's a chance that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the uh, the first overall pick if, if the right team gets the number one pick. Yeah, I know we're going long, and I'm, I'm going to throw you a curveball, so I apologize because I know we're talking Heisman. But you mentioned Marvin Harrison. What about Malik Neighbors at LSU? I mean, I, I know he's the beneficiary of having uh, Jaden Daniels as, as his quarterback, but there's a lot of talk, at least in, in, in the southeast, that he might be the best wide receiver in the country. Where, where do you guys stand on Neighbors? Yeah, I think he deserves a Blitnikoff this year. Uh, like I said, that's why I kind of was surprised, not surprised, but I, I kind of didn't like that Marvin Harrison Jr. was a Heisman finalist. I mean, I think he'd make a case for neighbors to be the fourth Heisman finalist, or even like a guy like Latu Latu, the edge defender from UCLA, uh, who had an unbelievable season by our metrics, too. So, uh, yeah, Malik Neighbors, I think, deserves a Blitnikoff. I think he, he was the highest grade receiver in the country this year, in 93 grade, also led the nation in uh, receiving yards. Uh, terrific after the catch. He also is great. Uh, I think he's the highest graded deep receiver this year as well. Um, yeah, obviously he, he gets the benefit of playing with uh, Jaden Daniels, whereas Marvin Harrison Jr. kind of played with a solid quarterback in Kyle McCord. Uh, but at the same time, Malik Neighbors, I thought, was the best receiver in college football this year. And, and honestly, I would take him as the second receiver in the draft probably and still probably spend a, a top 10 pick on him as well. So, uh, yeah, Malik Neighbors, I think, is still a, a fantastic – it's a great receiver class this year in the NFL draft, and I think he might be number two behind Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know if he's coming out this year. Uh, I know he's putting his name in the portal, but where would you, the metrics have Colin Lacey? He played for South Alabama. He was right up there with Neighbors as far as yardage and, and pass catching. Do you have uh, any kind of take on him? Yeah, I actually am uh, putting together uh, a transfer portal big board uh, kind of ranking all the uh, top 25 or so players in the portal. And I, I probably am going to have Colin Lacey maybe as the number one receiver. I know Juice Wells in the portal, too, so he might push for that spot. But, yeah, Colin Lacey was great this year. I mean, I think he had, like, the second or third most yards in the country. Uh, terrific after the catch as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, honestly. I know some uh, some SEC schools are kind of going after him right now, and I think it's well-deserved. I mean, I think he, he – like I said, I think you can make a strong argument he might be the top receiver in the transport right now. And it might be kind of moot now because I know Riley Leonard, who left Duke, is touring around looking at places. The The hot rumor is Notre Dame. Where do you have him as, as far as a transfer portal quarterback? Uh, I think he would be probably in that top – five or six. Uh, I think obviously the injuries hurt him this year. Um, uh, he's a guy that I think the NFL, I, I think in a weird way, his NFL projection might be better than what he is right now. I, I think he's a really solid, good uh, college quarterback, but I think he has a lot of tools that a lot of NFL teams might covet. So if you're looking for an NFL draft pick, he's probably one of the top ones in the transfer portal. Uh, but I think there are a couple other guys who are, might be better college quarterbacks. Like, think of a guy like D Dylan Gabriel, 
who, as an NFL prospect, not as good as Riley Leonard, but I think as a college quarterback, he's better than Riley Leonard. Uh, that makes any sense. So I think Riley Leonard's still a very, very good quarterback. I think he's a guy that I would probably have in my top five or six quarterbacks in the transfer portal, and, and everything, like you said, everything I've heard is, has been kind of Notre Dame for him. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's still a guy that I think uh, could be a very valuable piece for a program. Max, like Captain America, man, I could do this all day, but we're about out of time. Uh, tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things uh, football-related. Yeah, you can find it at uh, PFF.com, and also I host a show called Preferred Walk-On. Uh, you can find it on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast, basically just covering everything in college football. Hey, man, have a great weekend. Thanks for the time. We really do appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll do our Miller Lite Golf Report. Uh, Danny Cordy at 8 o'clock, and we're hoping to catch up with Mark Hudspeth, the coach of the state champion Golf Shores Dolphins. Wrapping up hour number two on a Friday, it's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Braun are right here on the sports station WNSP. War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSP. it right there lee 7:53. welcome back in the opening kickoff wrapping up hour number two on a busy friday thanks for hanging with us crazy like a fox uh, let's talk some golf miller like golf report john ricchetti john good morning good morning guys good morning i, was, I love uh, the intro love the intro must be a lot of golf news well to talk I was, about. there is and I, I was actually out with somebody yesterday who plays golf with you a lot uh cameron smith uh, talked about you oh, on the yeah. tour. But let me ask you this. I haven't mentioned it yet. I thought I'd let you be the first. So John Rahm has an interview, and he gives all the reasons why he's going live, but he doesn't mention the 300 or $400 million he's getting. <laughs> well, this has been a rumor brewing for possibly north of a year now. So, I mean, uh, you know, listen, he has ties to, uh, you know, obviously to Phil Mickelson. Uh, he's a good friend of Phil. His brother Phil, who coached who coached him at Arizona State, plus his agent Steve Loy is uh, Phil Mickelson's agent, John Rom's agent, and so forth. So, the, you know, the rumors finally came to an end, and John Rom has officially joined Live Golf, uh, a monstrous contract. I, I, you know, I keep getting different. I can't, you can't pinpoint exactly the amount, but it's somewhere between. Three hundred and fifty million to six hundred million dollar deal. So it is massive. Uh, it is a huge, huge. Uh, I guess you want to call it an asset to Live Golf. Uh, I still believe that he made this jump uh, due to the fact that I think uh, that he knows there's a merger coming between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Uh, Jay Monahan hopes to have a. Uh, a framework of the new deal laid out before the end of this year uh, and so forth, exactly what the path will look moving forward between the two entities. Uh, but that's still not come to fruition. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, John Rahm is a rich, rich man. Not no, not to say that he needed the money <laughs> at all, but at the end of the day, money wins. And, 
and we'll see. I mean, it's uh, it's it's big for Live Golf, no question about it. And um, we'll see where this child transpires. So here's a guy that was adamant about the PGA Tour and uh, so forth, and, and then all of a sudden he kind of changes his whole uh, you know his whole way of thinking. And also, Rory McIlroy comes out yesterday and says that. They need now, Rory's, you know, Mr. Anti-Liv comes out and says yesterday that the Ryder Cup needs to change its format to allow John Rahm in 2025 to play on the European team when it's coming to the U.S. at Best Page Black uh, in New York. So I think a lot of people are starting to change their tune towards live golf, and, and obviously Rory McIlroy is uh, one of them too. So a lot going on there, guys. You got the uh, USGA and the RNA on Wednesday deciding in, the, in 2028 they're going to roll back the golf ball. Uh, the golf ball will not travel as far, and it'll be implemented by 2030 for all players, including the recreational golfers and people who are tuned into us right now. Uh, the golf ball will not go as far, uh, roughly five to seven yards shorter for folks who are tuned in who play recreationally. That that's what's going to golf ball on a, a golf will not travel as about five to seven yards shorter. So I'm against it. I don't. I think the game of golf's in a great spot. Uh, people love to see power. I think power sells, and uh, I, I don't know why they're doing this, but uh, I, I know the golf manufacturers who make golf balls are going to be fighting this. Uh, even though it's going to be a tough battle, but I would say this ain't over yet. Also, some other big news I'm hearing that uh, the PNC Championship, Tiger Woods' his son, Charlie will be in the tournament next week. Possibly could be a last time we see Tiger Woods wearing Nike clothing. What? Uh, rumors are, yes, rumors are circulating that uh, Tiger and Nike Golf uh, their their relationship will be coming to an end. I'm trying to verify this rumor, but it is circulating throughout uh, the golf media uh, outlets that, and possibly Rory McIlroy. Also, I guess from what I gather from this is one thing is that uh, Nike Golf does not, Nike does not make golf equipment anymore. Uh, their golf the only thing related to golf they have is a golf shoe, which is not which does not do very well. And I think maybe they might just be getting completely out of golf, completely. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to keep, uh, keep an eye on this story. I think it's a massive story. Uh, we'll see if it comes to fruition or not. So but the rumors will know after next time we see Tiger. They say the PNC next week could be the last time Tiger Woods will be in Nike clothing. Full of good stuff there, John. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. You guys take care, guys. So I'm confused. So Rom's going to get this money, so he's the big winner, clearly. Yes. If they're going to merge, it would seem like Liv is, is paying a lot more money than they need to to, to get Rom to compete in their I, events. I have and the PGA time. seems like they wind up winning because even though they're losing, quote-unquote, losing him to the Liv, they're going to merge at some point, right, in the next right. year. And I don't think anyone really knows what's going on with this merger. I have a problem, too. How do you recoup some of that money? I mean, are there people out there, and, and I'll ask some of the people on the app, do people watch Live Golf on the CW? Are you interested in it? I, I don't I don't get it. That kind of money, that's just to show up. Yeah. That's just to show up. He can still win the tournament, win even more money. Danny Cordy's next. Stay with us. The opening kickoff. Sitting in the shade. 
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed, here we are on a Friday. Thanks for hanging with us. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We got plenty left here in store for you in our final hour. We uh, encourage you to continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. If there's a major sporting event in the state or here locally, you know Danny Cordy will be there all dressed up and ready to go. The executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority. Danny, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Glad to join you. Got a lot of topics to cover. Number one. I'm sure South Alabama, at least the higher-ups, are very happy that South Alabama stays in Mobile for the bowl game because they don't have to pay travel expenses. But from a city standpoint, is that a good thing to have the Jags having a home game, for a, even though they're the visiting team, uh, for the bowl game? Lee, you're seeing a trend. Uh, I think Memphis is also staying at home in the Liberty Bowl, so you're seeing a trend of, of one of the two teams being either home or close to home. But from from uh, from the, uh, I guess the theory of of having an event like this, the, the theory is to bring both teams in. They spend two or three days here. Their fans are here. It's a no doubt an economic impact. Uh, event, but but again, it's just a function of numbers that if one team is the home team, it does cut down your economic impact. Now, obviously, it still gives you the exposure on national TV, and I think that has a value to it too. But uh, it, it is a uh, it does cut down what the economic impact is. Now, I understand that South will be staying in a hotel. I don't know if it's one night, two nights, or three nights. And that's an important part of the economic impact too, because obviously, if they weren't in it, or, or, or they would, uh, they wouldn't be staying in a hotel. So there is some economic impact on the South Alabama side, uh, because they will be staying in a hotel and, and eating food and all that. Do you, but do you know? It, there's in my. Go ahead. Do you know on the subject of hotels though? For an event like this, and we'll talk even about Eastern Michigan. Do the hotels place a three-night limit now on an event like this where you have to stay three nights or two nights, like if you have parents coming in or things like that? I am not sure, Lee. I would think not because December in, in, in Mobile and, and generally around our area, December is the lowest vacancy or the lowest occupancy rate of the year. So it's not like there's a lot of people trying to beat the doors down to stay in the hotels in December. That's why we're trying to do, as a sports authority, we're trying to hold more events in December. So uh, I, I would I would highly doubt that there's a three-night minimum. All right. 
you were up at the uh, Super 7. You helped our teams bring back a couple of trophies, I'm sure. Uh, but you went up there for sure. obvious reasons, maybe down the road, trying to talk to some of the uh, higher-ups about maybe getting events in Mobile. How did that go? I thought it went real well. had several meetings, and some of them are five-minute meetings. Some of them are 30-second meetings. The idea, obviously, is to first let them know that we are very interested in hosting more of the high school championships, whatever sport that is. Second, we ha they know that our facilities, uh, Hancock Whitney, we're about to upgrade LAD. Now that the school board takes it over, uh, of course, we already have tennis here. We're going to have the state bowling championship next month. So you, you, you kind of got to put yourself out there and say, hey, we are interested in having more of your events. And the relationships that we form through these other events include the North-South game, which that's coming into Mobile. The teams are coming in Tuesday for next Friday's game. All those show what we can do. And if we tell, say, Coach Briggs, hey, this is what we're going to do for you for the North-South game, and we do it, it gives them more confidence that if Mobile says they're going to do X, that, that, that they follow through. So it's all – it's relationships, it's facilities. Sure, there's uh, there's finances involved. Uh, the economic impact of of holding something like the Super Seven in Mobile would be tremendous. Could probably, uh, at least from past experience uh, on the number of people that have come through the gate, it would be the largest sporting event ever held in Southwest Alabama if we could get them down here one year, even if it's on a rotating basis with another city. So, Danny. I'm speculate a little bit for us here. Uh, the the thought process, at least when we talk about the high school athletic association, is they always try to keep stuff in Birmingham because it's centrally located. Is that is that part of their decision making? The fact that Mobile is way down here, quote unquote, and it would be tough for other parts of the state to get here. Mark, in the past, I, I think you're onto something. But in my discussions, and again, it's you got to go with face value. Sure. In my discussions with them. I, 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 they sound like they want to move things around the state. And, and even though Birmingham obviously is centrally located and two-thirds of your member schools are Montgomery North, yeah, it sounds like they want to move it around, but they have to trust. If they're going to move it around, they have to trust who they're in business with, so to speak. And that's why I want to be in front of them as many times as possible, talk to them, tell them what we can do, what we can't do. And, and and go from there. So it has, you know, it, it's a two-way street, it, it, and it has to be something good for us, and it has to be something good for them. And you know, that's that's part of the negotiations, I guess. All right, tell us about the North-South football game coming up this week. The uh, the teams are coming in uh, next Tuesday. Practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and game is at two o'clock next Friday. And and these all-star games, as you know, the, the attendance, attendance is not what it used to be, but to support, we've got several local kids in the game to support them on their last high school game. Uh, we, we hope the fans come out. Uh, right now the weather looks good. We've tried a 2 o'clock kickoff or something different because usually it's the usual 7 o'clock high school kickoff, but we wanted to try something different because the Alabama-Mississippi game is in Hattiesburg the next day. And next year, if we have our way, we'll have both those games here with the North-South game on Friday and the Alabama-Mississippi game on Saturday at Hancock-Whitney. So have... bringing, those, bringing that many fans and, and teams and players to the South Alabama campus, I think, has a, 
has a has a positive for them too. I think a positive too, isn't it, that you'd have some recruit coaches coming in? I'm sure most of these kids haven't signed. Well, they're going to be signing. Maybe some won't. Maybe they're not even known that this could give them a chance to uh, to sign with a, a college or university. That that's right. The dead period is not up. I guess until uh, I guess it's the start of the bowl season. So, uh, or I guess signing date this year. What's signing date? I think the 21st, maybe, or the, the, somewhere around there. So, no, yes, uh, I, I was walking down the field. Not, I hate to name drop, but walked past, past Dabo Sweeney on uh, on on uh, Wednesday night, and, and Cadillac was there. Coach Saban and Coach Sarkeesian, I've heard, will be there tonight for the Saraland game. So, yeah, these kind of uh, these kind of games just especially if kids that have already signed, they want to make sure they stay signed. So uh, so all these kids can sign a scholarship at some level. So, that, yes, that's important. That's, that's why some of these games are important like that. Do you think Dabo today or Saban would be saying the same thing, that I don't want to name drop, but I was with Danny Cordy during the week? <laughs> or Mark Heim or Lee Shervanian, of course. All right, just want to <laughs> clarify. Now, you have a big event this weekend. Coming to Mobile. What is it? Well, it's the Port City Volley Jolly Volleyball Tournament. We started this during the COVID year of 2020 with 31 teams. We have 138 teams on the last uh, number that I saw. And, and, and volleyball, as you well know, guys, it, it's just grown exponentially, it seems like, around here. More more girls. And, and even there's a boys' volleyball uh, movement uh, in the state, too. So, uh, it's 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 something again. I mentioned being December that hotels need need uh, need people to come stay in December, and that's why we started. We had a volleyball tournament last weekend called the Friendship Tournament. We have the Volley Jolly this weekend, so we're trying to beef up our December calendar to help out our local hotels, restaurants, and and, and the like. So, so yeah, it's it, it's it's really grown to to one of our larger events. Oh man, we always appreciate you coming aboard. Uh, you you appear to have a few things on your schedule. You should lighten up a little bit, enjoy the holidays. Uh, Mark, I think you know me. I think I can lighten up real easily, real quickly. Well, if you're looking for three hours to kill, the Saints are on Sunday. Uh, uh you just <laughs> ruined my Friday. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, thanks for your time. We appreciate I, it. You and I can commiserate together on that one. Yeah, it's going to take uh, an adult beverage or 12, but uh, we can get there. <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. They can't beat the Panthers on Sunday. I give up. Well, that's what the Steelers were saying last night. I mean, if, if we can't beat the Patriots, just give up. I mean it, though. I, if they don't beat the Panthers, there. there's no. I don't think they'll make the postseason. Do we really want to see this team in the postseason? I do. No. Why? Because I like to listen to Mike Hoss do the play-by-play. Is, is Derek Carr all of a sudden going to stop screaming at his teammates? Unlikely. All right. Uh, scoreboard traffic and weather are next. Uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. And Gulf Shores head coach Mark Hudspeth scheduled to join us at 830. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Because I don't know how to take it slow. 
All right, it's 822. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Braun are all in the studios of WNSP. You can jump in. We're hoping to catch up with Mark Hudspeth uh, coming up in our next segment uh, and talk about Golf State Golf Shores State Championship. It was a late night, so uh, I'm wondering if he's gone to sleep yet. Yeah, I'm not well, sure I would have. They were going to stop, I guess, midway between Tuscaloosa and Mobile. That's what he told me, and they'd get in about 3 o'clock in the morning. So there's a chance. You know, I'm looking behind you is the big Hank Aaron poster we have, and then I read this story on AL.com, the other Mark, who gets all this NFL news and baseball. Hank Aaron's jersey, $567,000. But get this, that wasn't even the most expensive item. There was a Babe Ruth uh, jersey that went for over eight hundred thousand dollars. Who has that for eight hundred thousand dollars? Babe Ruth better show up and deliver it to me for eight hundred grand. Well, if that happens, you got yourself a story. And that's not something you. I mean, that's just something you you put up on the wall, right? I mean, you're not you're not wearing that out. I don't I mean, think so you're wearing that out. No, I'm not down with that at all. I think that one of the strangest, not strangest things, but I remember when Yankee Stadium, you know, they moved to the new Yankee Stadium. So they were selling the seats at the old Yankee Stadium. And one of my brother's relatives uh, bought two seats for the uh, his nephew. And I think they were on the, they put them on the wall. They actually somehow, some way, got this uh, these two seats from Yankee Stadium. Okay, so... Clarification. Your brother's relative would be your relative, right? Uh, not necessarily, no. My no. brother's relative. It'd be his, uh, <laughs> it'd be, let's see, my brother's <laughs> son-in-law, is it? That, no. that would be your... No, that's, I'm wrong on that. Nephew-in-law? Uh, it was the, it, my son's, it was the brother of his wife. So what would that be? But it's not related to me. That's your. That would be his brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. That's so it. your okay. brother's brother-in-law would be your brother-in-law. I think it'd just be easier to say a family member of mine. Thank you. <laughs> so he's the one. He's a Jersey guy. Oh, oh well, oh, in that case, guy, <laughs> well, yeah. in that case, yeah. And he uh, bought two seats and a bunch of other stuff when the Yankee Stadium when they moved to the new one, and so like these seats would be right up, when you walk into the house, you'd see them immediately. Hmm. Well, I told you, uh, I think my wh when Tulane Stadium was demolished, uh, my dad got a piece of the stadium and used it as a as a lamp. I like did not know a, that. Yeah, no. yeah, it's still uh, still at the house, I guess. Next time you go, check it out. It's just my contribution no, to the show today. Yeah, really, exactly. Next time you go, check it's it out. A, picture in the a relative of my brother had a lamp. Your, with a piece your of brother, Your stadium. brother's dad? <laughs> yeah, my brother's dad, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, when knowing that uh, the Tulane quarterback is supposedly coming to the senior bowl, he's committed. Maybe yep. your dad wants to come and uh, cheer him on. Perhaps. I'd love to meet your dad, Mark. Would you? He's yeah. been on the show before. He, he has. He's a really nice guy. You'd never know Mark was his son. Yep. Mm. Yep. That's a good point. I can't deny this. He's been on the show. We've still got to get your brother on possibility all right he's been on I, I he has been on before he he uh was on before you came along like around six in the morning very early yeah he likes doing that too he likes to talk we should have a day where but you know here's the deal he so you guys talks. are alike well he doesn't stop though he he keeps so y'all are alike <laughs> <laughs> yeah where's the difference all right so we're gonna have him 
Miss Barbara. We're going to do a Shervanian show. That's not going to happen. I'm what telling if, okay, you. Okay, she's a late riser. What if we she, record something? No, she she will not do that. I'm telling oh. you. I've told you that millions of times. I think if we asked her, You have a would. better chance of getting Nick Saban on. We need to have a day where family members. I bet you if we in. told her Nick Saban was on at the same time, she'd come on with us. Nope. No. Maybe Paul Feinbaum, but not Nick. Okay. Hmm. Very good. All right. Just a little future programming. little heads up. We'll Michael, have you out. ever spent a lot of money for memorabilia? I, I see all those jerseys we have up on the wall. I know they're not yours. I think they're what? Steven Roots? Correct. Roots. He was actually on the afternoon show yesterday. Yeah, I've never really spent a lot on memorabilia. I don't really have a lot of money to spend on memorabilia, frankly. Uh, if I had unlimited money, I might spend it on memorabilia. But you know, you mentioned golf, and you're gonna you're hoping to play golf today. Maybe we'll what see. What you ought to do is improve your game and get the live golf tournament to to get you in there. Maybe <laughs> he's good enough to play live. Maybe it's political. Yeah, it's maybe, all. Maybe they don't like yeah, Bronner. It's all politics. It wouldn't be the first. I spoke out against the Saudis, and they said I can't play on live. Yeah. But right. although if they came to me with a contract offer, I'd be willing to. Reconsider my position. Have you ever watched, you notice here, have you ever watched a live golf tournament? Uh, I know like, Mark hasn't. I haven't. You know, here and here and there, but like I'm definitely not sitting there on a Sunday being like, oh, the live event's close. Like I got to tune in. I do. John Rahm is my favorite golfer though. Oh, he is. So yeah, I'm a big Rahm. So fan. tell me if I'm old school on this. I was talking to, like I said, I mentioned to John. I was talking to a good friend of his who plays golf, Cameron. And I said, I've never watched – I can't get into watching a golf tournament. First of all, it's usually uh, – I only watch when they're in majors. But watching guys in shorts, it, re- it reminds me of uh, a college tournament. <laughs> you know, I, I like the shorts. Do you really? I play in shorts. I mean – Yeah, but you're not a pro. Well, not yet. And you're not on TV. Not yet. I so you don't like live because they wear shorts, and you like live because they wear shorts. I think well. we're finding more and more about more out about our guys every single day. I don't mind the shorts. Okay. I mean, that's what I that's that's what I heard. I ain't judging. This is a judgment-free zone here at WNSP. Mark Hudspeth is next, we think. Let's see if we can track the man down. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Had to wait for it to drop there. It took a minute, but there we are back in on a Friday. It's the opening kickoff. Thanks for hanging with us on the sports station, WNSP. Not sure exactly where he is now, but the head coach of Gulf Shores, the champion Gulf Shores, 5A champ, Mark Hudspeth. Mark, uh, thanks for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Where are you right now? Well, right at the moment, I'm sitting here looking out over Lake Wilson up in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Uh, came up here last night to to our in-laws after uh, after the game, and uh, we always sort of a little bit of a family tradition. We always take the kids up to the Opryland Hotel, so we're gonna take them up there for the for the weekend, and then head back to uh, to Gulf Shores Sunday evening. Is the uh, is the blue map with you, and have you slept? <laughs> uh, yes and no. Not very much sleep. Blue Map is sitting right here. Uh, got a cup of coffee right in front of it. 
just sort of uh, reliving a little bit of the memories uh, of last night with with the, with our players and our coaches and and our administrators and fans and just uh, still really hadn't sunk in. You know, when you put so much work into something and and then everything happens so fast, it's sort of sort of surreal. But it's a it's a great day. It's a beautiful day. God God is good. I had a suggestion. You know how. Restaurants down in Gulf Shores, they on the menu the catch of the day or the catch of the week or whatever. They don't put a price there, but you know they. So how about this? How about the Royal catch of the day? <laughs> hey, that would be a great, great way to call it. That's for sure. How about that play he made on the interception? I've n- I, it's probably the best, if not if not the best, one of the best plays in in the state of Alabama all year. And that's not just high school. I mean, it was unbelievable. It came in a huge time, and then just for him to be able to not only make that catch, but uh, to where he did it in the game, that part of the field, uh, and then to be able to keep his feet in bounds, and then to hold a team like Ramsey, he was a big part of it. It had thrown for 3,000 yards this year to minus five yards passing. Uh, our defense just played so well. Okay, let, let's knowing that your team was a offensive juggernaut, you averaged about 39, 40 points a game. You jump out to a 21 nothing lead. And by the way, have you ever scored in any game you've ever coached 17 seconds into the game? That, that doesn't happen a lot. And, uh, you know, in coaching, sometimes that happens to you and sometimes, you know, for you and against you. And so I'm just glad that happened for us. You know, we got a big turnover. But in a lot of ways, you know, our defense created the turnover uh, that we got. Uh, it really wasn't a gift to us. And uh, and then we was able to punch it in and get, steal some quick momentum, which had uh, a lot to do with the, with the next two, two drives also. So you get to a 21 nothing lead, and I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be one of those really one-sided games because you've had a lot of those this year. So how did – First of all, Ramsey shut down your offense from that point on, and was it getting a little nervous on the sidelines there? Well, you know, the the thing that we we did is once we got up twenty-one to nothing, you know, we were in control of the game, playing really, really well. Couldn't have played much better uh, to that point. But then they saw the game shifted, especially in the field position. They had a punt that rolled out at the minus one yard line, so we were backed up uh, at the minus one. Uh, we finally was able to punt the ball and get it out of there. Uh, but then they were in great field position, backed us up again and on the minus four. So we had two straight drives that we started inside the four-yard line. And, and uh, give, them, give them credit. You know, it was hard, hard to move the ball. They sort of swung the momentum. And, uh, and then, you know, we had not had a turnover in four straight games. And then uh, – and just all of a sudden, we uh, just had some unopportune turnovers, gave them the momentum, gave them great field position, and we sort of let them back in the game and uh, give them credit, you know, also. But uh, our defense was just so strong, they had a hard time doing anything once we did turn it over. Yeah, you know, I go back to, I think there was uh, about, I think, eight minutes or so left. You guys turned them over on downs, which was huge because you guys were only up a touchdown at that point, And then I think Ronnie took over and really kind of gave you that cushion that you needed. I, th- I thought there, that position there on the stop and then to, to go and answer and needing that score was really the pivotal part of that game. 
It, it was big. And at halftime, you know, we, we talked, and Coach Enfield does such a great job. We talked and said, you know, here we are. We're one one half away uh, from sealing this thing. And sometimes you think plays. Hey, what play is the best adjustment to make at halftime to come out and run the second half? But he said, hey, let's let's think Ronnie Royal. Yeah. And in and, and big, big games, you know, uh, a wise coach one time told me, you know, don't think plays, think players. And he pulled it, put the ball in Ronnie Royal's hands there in the fourth quarter, especially in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. And, and the guy just uh, would not be denied. And he just made some huge plays, especially that huge run at the very end. Uh, to seal it where they couldn't get the ball back and uh, just a phenomenal overall effort. If he's not up for Mr. Football, then then I don't know who can be up for it. This guy is is unbelievable because he does it on both sides of the ball. Yeah, no Some doubt. guys just play one way. He does all three ways. Yeah. He's thrown a touchdown pass this year, ran a touchdown, called a touchdown, ran a punt back, and ran a kickback. He scored five different ways. What Show was, me one other player in the state that's done that. Yeah, no, uh, I, you're not going to get much of an argument from from anybody on this station. So, uh, so I do have to ask, uh, what was going through your mind? I think it was, I don't remember the exact down and distance, but you had first and goal inside the five, and you guys didn't come. As much as I thought you guys were in control at that point, it was like you just couldn't put that final nail in the coffin. And then you get to first and goal inside the five, and you come away with no points. Uh, obviously, defensively, you guys took care of business, but what's going through your head at that point? Yeah, you know, I really, when we got that turnover, we had first and goal at the five, I'm like, oh, man, you know, here we go. Yeah. Because we had ran the ball so effectively this year. And uh, give Ramsey credit, they were tough up the middle. Um, and we had a hard time moving the football in the second half. And uh, and then we didn't get to stop. But then, obviously, we, we, we got a chance to make a, uh, an extra point, obviously, for a field goal. That's how close it was. Yep. And we didn't, we didn't hit it. And, uh, and our kicker has been so good this year. So in the second half, you know, we just did not execute and coach at a very high level. That's talking about myself. Um, and, and sort of they hung around, give those guys credit, and that's why they're defending 5 league champions. But at the end of the day, we found a way to win the game, and that was the most impressive thing for me because we had not been tested this year and been in that type of game. And when the wheels started coming off a little bit with those turnovers we had, the block punt, you know, things could have went south quickly, but our defense rose up, made some huge stops, kept us in the game, and was able to put it away. Did I hear correctly the announcers that your your quarterback is a freshman? Ninth-grade quarterback it led his team to 15-0. and 0. Wow. Uh, what's it look like coming back as for the current roster coming back next year? Do you, do you have a lot of those defender defensive players coming? I know Royal goes, but the rest of the team, do you have a lot of starters back? You know, we lose a few and some really talented ones, but we do have some key ones back. You know, you know, got Landon Everett, who's been our leading tackler the last few weeks at linebacker. He returns to Michael Garrett, another linebacker. He returns both safeties return. So we've got a lot of production returning uh, defensively. And then, obviously, you have a ninth grade. Your quarterback's a ninth grader. He returns. And, you know, you hear a lot of talk about all these ninth grade quarterbacks around the state. You know, and you, there's some great ones. I mean, some outstanding ones. But the one that they're missing on is Judd Harris. I don't know why he's not in the same conversation. Uh, this kid is special and uh, just led his team to, to 15 wins. 
and just completely takes care of the ball and makes some big plays and big decisions. Uh, I, I think you're going to see him creep up there pretty soon with these other other ninth graders in that same conversation. You did say yesterday that uh, school was closed today. I remember you said that. So what what kind of plans do you think that there will be to, to kind of have a uh, celebration for this team and, and Gulf Shores? I know there were, they're probably in, in those plans are being made as we speak, and it'll be something on, on Monday or first of the week, and give our families a chance to get back, uh, you know, from the weekend because a lot of a lot of players stayed, you know, the weekend with family. Uh, a lot of our kids are going on college visits this weekend, or, uh, so you know, it, it'll give our chance to get everybody back, regroup. And then we've got to really honor these kids uh, next week. And I know our community will because they, we had an unbelievable crowd lead. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it, but we, we traveled to be five hours away. Uh, huge crowd. I thought we looked, we traveled as many as Thompson or anybody else had it to seven eight, eight games. Just an unbelievable crowd with communities on fire. Just really appreciate them. And, and I tell you another thing that I, I really appreciate, and it meant a lot. And I, I, I really was proud is we had so many uh, uh, people from Orange Beach just congratulating our team uh, on their city website and just the, the class that they showed uh, when we won. And I, I appreciate that because I've got so many great friends also in, in Orange Beach. And, and so I just appreciate that community uh, supporting us also. And we definitely want to support them the same way. All right, Coach, i got to ask you. Um, Mark Hudsmith, our guest here on WNSP. Prior to the game, so there is a picture of you at the Bryant Museum with Scott Stapp of Creed. I need an explanation here. What's up? I'm a huge Creed fan. And as in coaching, you know, he's got some great songs that you sort of, in the past, you know, you use on highlight videos. And, man, I've worked out to his music so many times. And so it just so happens that uh, our team chaplain, our character coach, Fred Franks, uh, really had a lot to do with him when he was young as a 9 and 10 and 11-year-old. He was in his church and sort of really helped him along early in his life and had a, had a lot to do with his development. And, and so he had moved to Nashville, and uh, I talked to Coach Franks, and I said, if Scott is ever close by, man, it would mean a lot to get to get to meet him and not only did I get to meet him and the guy came and and spent the day with us hung out in the locker room hung out on the sideline what a class act and he was a, a high school athlete played football baseball basketball in Orlando loves football and uh, I'm gonna tell you he he was very knowledgeable and it was just so much fun to to have a guy that you have listened to so many times uh, right there hanging out with you it, it was really cool Got to ask you, you got a long, distinguished career in coaching, high school, college, assuming you played football. Had you ever been on a championship team before? I have. What, re, re, kind yeah. of reminisce? Excuse me? Yeah, reminisce with me about so but when you were playing or when you were coaching? Well, well both. I'm, as a player, uh, we, we went to the state championship, uh, state championship game as a ninth grader. Uh, and we won the state championship when I was a ninth grader at Winston Academy in Louisville, Mississippi. We went back to the state championship game, though, as a senior, didn't win it that year. He won the South State Championship. 
And then obviously, you know, when you win uh, Sunbelt Conference Championship, you win the Ohio Valley Conference Championship at Austin P. And then, like we talked about it, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, but when you win a you know a state championship and you're the winner of the entire state uh, in that 5A classification, it it really means a lot not only to myself but but these players. I'm just so glad they could experience this, and our coaches just an opportunity of a lifetime, and they got to not only win a state championship in one night. Most guys dream of playing for Alabama and Bryant Denny, you know, uh, and they got to play in the stadium and win a state championship in the same night. What an opportunity. What an experience these guys had. Coach, we really do appreciate it. Uh, let, I'll ask this before we let you go. Obviously, um, you guys have been through a lot on and off the field this year. Does, does all of that uh, make sitting next to that blue map just a little bit more sweet? Yeah, it, it probably does. You know, anytime, anytime you've been faced with adversity and and you see the way that your team and community responded, and I just thought they handled everything with class, uh, handled everything the right way, just proud of everybody involved. That was just so, so great to see. And so, I like I said, just this community's got so much to be thankful for. You know, we get to live at the beach. Uh, we've got such a great, safe community that our city officials just obviously do such an incredible job. Um, I'm just uh, almost got to pinch yourself that, you know, I get to live at the beach, get to be the head football coach there, and now we're going to bring a blue blue map uh, down to the beach. Excited. I'll tell you another thing I'm excited for is Ronnie Cottrell, Mobile Christian. I want to wish those guys congratulations. That guy's just a winner and does such a great job. And we want to wish Jeff Kelly and Sarah Land now best of luck uh, today as they bring one back home to South Alabama also. Coach, congratulations. Thank you for spending a little time with us, man. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Thanks, guys. Go Dolphins. There you go. Golf Shores head coach Mark Hudspeth, state championship winning coach. All right, one final segment of the week, boys. We'll close up shop. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. Hit us up in the app. I like Maybe. having you guys here on a Friday. You, you, you'd rather us here than away? Yeah. Or would you rather us all be away? Would you rather be on location with us? Oh, that'd be cool. Okay. It's always about you. Generally. <laughs> this is the only time we get to talk. Lee, Lee already left. The, there's still music playing. You should just kill the music and just keep going. We can talk through the break. Yeah. All right. That'll be fun, too. Stay with us. One final segment. Hey, this is Jake Coker, quarterback at Alabama. And when I'm listening to the radio, I'm listening to WNSB. boys and girls thanks for another great week of the opening kickoff thanks for uh being a part of it uh reminder if you missed our interviews today we had some good ones man we got uh two state championship coaches so kudos to lee for setting that up if you missed the interviews with uh either mark hudspeth or ronnie cottrell you can go to wnsp now and listen back to the uh those interviews uh, wherever you find your favorite podcast uh you can find wnsp now so we encourage you to do that not just for those interviews but you know 
any part of the show that you might have missed. All interviews. All interviews. Uh, also, uh, tonight at 6.30, you can hear the Sarah Land Clay Chalkville 6A final. There's been a lot of talk about this. Both teams are undefeated. Sarah Land seeking its second consecutive title. That'd be amazing to have three state titles in our backyard, in a sense, you know, covering Mobile and Baldwin counties and Leroy just out there on the outer edges. Tomorrow's uh, on WNSP. We don't have quite the football day, but I'll tell you what, 1130 in the morning, Alabama basketball against Purdue. Roger Hoover is going to be calling that game, and he's going to join us Monday, Alabama-Purdue up in Canada. And then we're going to also broadcast the Army-Navy game. So we got a lot going on tomorrow, too. All right. The uh, Army. Go ahead, Mr. The Bond. Army. Yeah. Uh, Belichick, guest picker. Guest picker. It's going to be good. You know, you know how on on the few times I've had a chance to see uh, game day based on because of my schedule, that when I noticed that you know when the guest picker they have a big fanfare and he usually comes out of a vehicle. Now Belichick, are they going to do that with him or is he just going to walk out of his office? It's kind of <laughs> weird, isn't it? The team is three and ten. He's doing this. That. Also, it's one game to pick. It's kind of weird to have a guest picker at all. But. For one game, well, they could probably if they want to go further there's obviously the division the fcs games but i don't know if they're going to go in that direction oh belichick 300 wins but i it's quite a coup to get him on the set i'm just curious to see how he blends in you know with what they're doing because it you know obviously he gives you a different impression during his news conferences he's aloof he could care less doesn't want to answer questions but people will tell you who know him well he's totally different off camera and well, he'll be on camera tomorrow. But you know, this is this is different. And how he reacts to Corso, McAfee. Could you see McAfee, McAfee doing his thing? Yeah. And then and then, then Belichick right. going Army. <laughs> so yeah, one word. Navy, Army. But I done. think he's going to surprise us. I think he's going to excel. You watch. I think I don't. I, do I can't. Too. I can't promise he's going to be entertaining. But I think he's going to give a well thought out. I think he's going to be entertaining. response. If, if everything I've heard about him, away from the news media, he'll be entertaining. Well, uh, I just hope he wears something other than a hoodie sweatshirt. Why? What do you want him to wear? A shoot, tie and jacket? No, no, no. Tie no, and jacket? No. He might. I bet if he – okay, I'm not betting. I'm just saying. I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing he'll pick Navy because of his allegiance. He you know, will. His dad was a longtime coach at Navy. I'm guessing he's going to take Navy. I'll put a million dollars that he picks Navy. Wow. Ooh, some of that live money coming in? Yeah. Wow. Check just cleared. All right. Anybody want some of that action from Bronner before we get out of here? Someone, please take so that you didn't, bet. So you didn't go for the uh, over-under yesterday on the 30? <laughs> no. No, I mean, Patriots. I, it's funny. I, I saw a lot of people, obviously, like 80% of the public was uh, was on the under. Yeah. Uh, and I saw some takes like, you know, that's probably going to be a lot of early scores. It generally happens when... 80% of the public is on the under. There's a reason why those casinos are so big. So, you know, we'll, uh, you know. Mark asked you earlier, were you disappointed that your Patriots won in that it may drop them a bit yes. in the draft status? Yes, I was disappointed. But, you know, it's nice to see the team get a win, I guess. It's nice to know that even the worst Patriots team in almost 50 years. Boy, that. Still owns the Steelers. So if you were that seated, Pittsburgh offense was just horrible. Mitch is Michael. Bad. He's so bad. Michael, if you were seated now, let's say down at Point Clear, would you recognize Bailey Zappi now? Yeah, I'd recognize. I reckon. Oh man, we're not rehashing this one. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Did I hit a, a My dad spot texted there? me last night. He said Bailey Zappi is remembering that dinner he had with yeah, you. Yeah, where you you kind of stood him up. You kind of I didn't like stand him off. up. You blew him off. I didn't blow him up. He we didn't had, know he was. We had like a two-hour <laughs> conversation. We talked ball. We talked Western Kentucky. We talked Senior Bowl. We talked Matt Patricia. So did did Triple G mischaracterize that whole interaction? Of course he did. So he's not to be believed. Well, no, I, I could have told you that. No, half of, half of the half of the stuff coming out of that dude's mouth is an exaggeration. The other half is just wrong. It's like every time that dude opens his mouth, you can hear the creaking of the sewer valve opening. He's got a sewer mouth. <laughs> could, could we use that as a promo? Yes, for the afternoon <laughs> show. <laughs> yes. You hear the sewer valve opening? That's Nick's mouth. Oh, uh, you can tell Michael's got that uh, northeastern. I like it. Northeastern attitude today. He's got a little edge to him. Yeah. I like it. The Patriots won when they weren't supposed to last night. <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right. Are we all in agreement that Jaden Daniels is going to win the Heisman? Yeah. I would, yeah. Yeah. The odds makers would say that, too. And he should, by the way. I, I don't think anyone. I would think down in Baton Rouge, if they're sending a reporter up there, they think the same thing. And he'll be on with us Monday, Matt Moscona. You know, uh, they're doing a 30 for 30. Uh, I think I told you uh, tomorrow it, it – uh, it drops the 97 Heisman race between Manning and Woodson, which I bet is going to be fascinating because there was such a, you know, you want to talk about the college football playoff being political. There was quite the push that year for Woodson. Uh, you know, Big Ten, it was on the ES, it was on ESPN and ABC. All their guys were pushing Woodson and, you know, Peyton Manning, uh, I think most people thought was going to win it at least early in the season, and uh, they went. They were such a push for a defensive player, and that's what exactly what happened. Of course, Peyton could beat Florida, but whatever. Details. Hey, we're all out of time. I hear the show, or I hear the song. We want to thank you guys for uh, making us part of your morning every day this week. It was a great week. We'll be back Monday. Hope you and yours, on behalf of everybody here at WNSP, have a great weekend. Monday at 6 a.m. from the studios of WNSP. Until then, see ya.